Well, hey, church, welcome to Rock City, wherever you're joining us from today, in person, online, on television, or from one of the more than 350 prisons that are tuned in right now in 49 states. It is an honor to worship alongside of you. We have something extremely special planned for you today. I'm sitting down with a very dear friend of mine, one of our most trusted and productive ministry partners to date, who is specifically focused on sharing Jesus and planting churches specifically in that 1040 window, an area in the world that extends from West Africa to East Asia. It's not only one of the most hostile places in the world for Christians, but it is home to nearly 2 billion people who have right now today no gospel witness among them. Just think about that. More than 97% of all of the unreached people in the world today are living in the roughly 59 countries that make up this region. Now, I've been asked not to share my friend's full name. So instead today, I'll refer to him simply as Brother Benny. We will also not be sharing at times the names of certain nations that we're currently working in or certain places that we have uh, frontline messengers working in right now because it would truly put our ministry partners, those frontline messengers, pastors, families at great risk, including Brother Benny. Brother Benny is the president of Alpha Ministries and he is the chief executive pastor of Alpha Bible Churches in India. Alpha Ministries has been for the past five decades reaching the unreached, planting churches, training pastors, and empowering Christians to make heaven full in one of the most strategic mission fields in the world. Our partnership with Brother Benny began several years ago, and it has since become one of our most productive partnerships beyond our walls where we are now focused on reaching the unreached, those who have never heard the name of Jesus, planting churches where no other Christian church exists, and fully funding and supporting now more than 50 pastors in South Asia, again, home to more than half of all the unreached people groups in the world today. I pray that this conversation blesses you, inspires you, convicts you, and challenges you as Every conversation I have ever had with Brother Benny has for me. I spoke with Brother Benny on the phone just a few days ago, and when I hang up the phone, I, I cried and I cried and I cried. What God is doing through this church and through this kingdom partnership that he is allowing us to establish together, it is absolutely mind-blowing and incredible. I think you'll see that in just a moment. The mission matters, church. And Jesus has given us one mission and one mission only. And that mission is to make heaven full. So Brother Benny, first of all, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. It is an honor to have you with us. I don't know if you remember the first time that you and I met. We were at a first watch, I believe, we had breakfast together. You'd reached out to me because your daughter had moved from Virginia where you were living to Columbus. She took a job here and, and somehow made her way to our church. And, and I can appreciate that as a father, you simply wanted to know a little bit about this church that your daughter was suddenly a part of. We sat down and got to talking and, and I asked you what you did and you began to share your story and your ministry. And I don't know if you remember this, the question that you asked me, but, but you said, brother, 
you should come with me to India <laughs> sometime. I and I said, brother, I'm good. I, I think I'm good here. I, I, I'm, I'm happy here. I, I have no intention of traveling to India. You gave me a copy of your book, Passage to the Unreached. Yeah. And I took that home, and I don't know if within a few days I, I read your book. I, I think I read it in one sitting, and it absolutely wrecked me. As, as, I, as I read your heart for the unreached, and I, and I began to read the stories of these frontline messengers who are making heaven full in a part of the world where there's so much persecution, I, I realized, one, how good we have it here. But I also realized that you and I share a, a true heart and passion for the unreached. And I felt in my heart this overwhelming conviction by the Holy Spirit to get to work, not just to plant a church here, but to advance the kingdom globally. And so I called you a few days after that, and I said, Brother Benny, I'm in. And honestly, this relationship, this, this partnership that we've had together now for the past several years, it has been one of the most fulfilling partnerships that I've been able to enjoy as a pastor. I wonder if you could share it with us um, because it's been a hard year for everybody. What, what has this last year been like for you personally? And, and then if you would, what, what does life look like right now for these pastors and these churches that we're supporting in the 1040 window? Thank you, Pastor Chad. And I still remember, yes, you said no, but uh, you coming made a great blessing for us. And uh, Thank you for your friendship and partnership and the investment as Rock City is doing for the advancement of the gospel in the 1040 window. And that's, that's where the greatest need is. Talking about what has happened uh, because of COVID and all that, there is a big reset kind of a thing where uh, God kind of reset, did a reset, pressed a reset button and everything is kind of... Uh, not the normal as it used to be. Things have changed. And while this pandemic and this difficulty is happening, governments are taking that time to change the rules. They're not trying to help people who are in need, but they're trying to change the rules uh, of uh, the nation by bringing in anti-conversion law and restricting Christians and, and uh, from advancing the gospel. And they are trying to tie our hands up so that we don't um, uh, have that same freedom that we had before to go and share the gospel. And, but God is large and in charge. He, he knows and he's in control of everything. In spite of all that, the gospel is advancing in those places. Um, especially, you know, that uh, when this new rules and regulations came in, for example, Compassion International, one of the organizations that you support too. Yeah. And they were kicked out of several nations right there in, in the 1040 window. And the, two weeks ago, I was in a meeting and a guy from Bangladesh, and a guy came with a picture of a child from Bangladesh and he's asking me, can you somehow get in touch with this child? Because those nations have kicked compassion out where they were supporting nearly 140,000 wow. children. So you know how difficult it is. America tried, presidents tried to uh, force and, you know, ask to let them come in, but that, that never happened. So it just shows you how difficult things are. And during this COVID time, uh, you know, 
people were dying left and right with shortages of oxygen and in uh, india was in india, india absolutely viciously yes and many of our frontline pastors they went to be with the lord we have supported so far 114 widows and widowers wow with about 300 dollars as a pension fund to them and we we don't want to love and leave them we want to continue supporting them so covid has taken a lot of lives right there and at the same time restrictions have made it hard or everywhere for example in myanmar uh, since february the militant government i mean military came in and since then the lockdown happened people have nothing to eat in that place people are struggling our pastors are writing to us they cannot write but they're using you know internet to somehow send us messages there is no internet airport is shut down no way of communicating in that places so those in, in spite of all those things we have seen god move and work in a mighty way for example when covid came in and churches were shut down we started having home groups yeah and we have seen over 1500 plus new home Praise groups god. across all these regions where we work and that is with god's help god has done a great thing there and you will ask how will how are you uh, do you have internet or you have some way of communicating to them no we don't have anything like that but god in his time provided us a very nice commentary in those languages and a study bible and we had the privilege of handing those to them and it has become a great blessing so the church is spreading out yes sir the church is m- meeting in homes persecution is increasing we yes. we i receive uh updates from you on a pretty regular basis um christians are being persecuted um in a lot of the 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 parts of the world the nations where we're planting churches and supporting pastors um just the language of christianity is being declared hate speech yes. um we're we're even seeing that a, a bit in 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 the western world as well children's homes um are being targeted christian homes are being targeted and then you're dealing with covid um and and just the, the massive amount of death uh from from that virus you you lost both parents yes. this year my i lost my mom this year dad a few years ago yeah mom she had covid and uh, she was admitted in the hospital in 3 days she went to be with the lord wow but we could not go to india for the funeral we had to see through zoom and it was very difficult because our mom uh, who took us and carried us around you know i cannot even go and touch the hand and uh, feel her just through zoom it, it it's a very difficult time that we as a family we are going through but in spite of all that god is good god is helping us still to get back on the track yeah. and be in the purpose of Well Pastor Benny I'm, I I've always been so um inspired by and ac- actually just just overwhelmed by the the number of uh, we we call them frontline pastors you you call them frontline messengers. messengers and one of the things that that you were sharing with me just just this morning was you said you can put a shackle on the feet of a messenger but you cannot shackle the message yes. the message will run, run. Yes. and that and, and and you said this too you said that um the gospel advances through True. adversity not through True. prosperity. prosperity so much of your personal story and so much of what you're doing today began with your mother and father yes. 
you have a, a memory of, of your father at a very young age. I think you were six years old. You, you write about this in, in, in your book, My Father's Business, a, a memory that, that really marked you in a special way. What, t- tell us about that moment. My, I still remember my dad. Uh, he, he finished a service and he came out and a militant guy came in and just caught hold of his shirt. I still remember wearing a white shirt and a black pant, and he pushed him to the wall, and he's punching him. And my mom is standing helpless with my third sister uh, at the side. She cannot help anything. She just delivered the baby, and she's kind of with the baby. And my younger brother is holding her sari and standing there at that side. And right at that time, this guy is punching my dad, and my dad is just saying, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And he has his Bible in his hand, and he's not retaliating anything. My aunt, Alice, saw this. She ran in, and she started pulling his hand and saying, leave him alone, leave him alone. And she started biting his hand so he won't hit her. And she's a woman, so he won't hit her back. And that's that's the first scene I have in my mind. And after seeing that, I'm thinking, my dad cannot protect me. Hmm. He's not a superman. If his God is so real, he should provide us our needs, but his life was a life of faith. And I, I didn't want it to be a part of that. And those are the things I've seen. But later in life, I understood what he did, what was the purpose behind it. And now he, you know, in America, you have baseball players and basketball players as heroes. My hero is my mo- mother and my father. Yeah. You said that his superpower status yes. or his superhuman status, the, really the the, the power of the Holy Spirit inside of yes. him, it was hidden. Yes. And so it, it, as a six-year-old, you're, you're wondering, can my father protect himself? Can he protect me? But as you grew in the faith and, and also witnessed your mom and dad both stand firm in the faith no matter what, and, and this is what a lot of pastors right now in many parts of the world, I mean, th- this is what they're experiencing. We, we get the reports. Yes. Um, almost, what, weekly, monthly, it seems that, that there's another pastor being dragged out of his home and yes. his family is, is being threatened. He's being uh, beaten, told to never utter the name of Jesus again. And yet, this is happening, and, and you, you get to see your father stand so firm in the faith and continue to press on in the midst of persecution. It, it made you want to be like him, but you you had to count the cost. And I think it's incredible that, that as persecution is going up right now, we, we, we just are, are celebrating together that in the past six months, 2,500 people were baptized in South Asia. Yes. And that's a lot of people. Yes. Because as I understand water baptism as this outward expression of an inward faith, we, we ask people to be baptized and our greatest concern is what, what clothes will we wear, right? What, what yes. clothes do we want to get wet? And who's going to come to celebrate with us in parts of the world like India and others? Um, to be water baptized publicly is, is truly to say I'm, I'm willing to have a target placed on my back, on my family, on my home. The cost is high. Yes. And yet more than 2,500 people in the past six months have counted the cost and said Jesus is, is worth it. Would, would you just share a little bit, help us understand the true cost of following Jesus on the front lines. Right now, as we are speaking, there are seven frontline messengers who've been charged and they've been released from prison, but they have to every month go back and report to the judges. 
their hearing will take months and years. But can you imagine early this year in February, three of our pastors, that one of them uh, is a part of Frog City, they were in prison for 30 days. What was their crime? Sharing the good news of Jesus in a family gathering, but falsely were accused that they were converting people by giving bribe to them, by helping them. We don't convert people. Conversion happens in the heart. God makes the changes there. But they were in prison, and the prison situation was so bad. One of this frontline messenger has been to prison several times. For him, this time, he said that it was such a cramped room, a small room with 21 prisoners in there. It's not a five-star kind of a prison that you see here in America. It's a cramped room, and in that room, one prisoner has to be awake every two hours. And his job is to say every 15 minutes, Sir, all 21 of us are well and everything is fine in this room. They have to repeat that. And our people did not have any cups to drink tea or anything because you have to get your own things there in prison. They didn't have anything like that. So they had one disposable cup and they used that cup for about 15, 20 days. But in that prison situation, they got joy was when they were allowed to have a New Testament on the 10th day. And when they got the New Testament, they started reading and the prisoners started listening to the stories in the New Testament. They were very eager and they started asking, read more to us, read more to us. And finally, the prison authorities saw these people in the prison and they started telling other people that, guys, learn something from these folks. These are righteous people. Mm. And they got freedom in that prison. And finally, before they left, they got to share at an exercise time to the entire, Come on. entire prison. Come on. Doesn't that sound a little bit like some of the stories we read in the New Testament? Yeah. I mean, do, doesn't that sound quite similar to so many of the stories we've, we've heard and we've, we've learned? Your father, when, when he was baptized, he had quite an encounter with, with his father. Tell us about that. My father, when he was baptized, my granddad has always warned him, son, don't associate with these radicals. But once you know Jesus, nothing can stop you. Taste and see the Lord is good. Once you taste him, it's like an M&M box next to you. You want to do more. You want to get involved more. And as he got involved, he got baptized. As he walked home, the news of his baptism came home even before he came, reached home. There was no Twitter or Facebook or anything, Messenger. The message came and granddad was very upset. He was standing there at the door. And he, as my dad walked in, son, he said, son, you have defiled my name in this community. I asked you not to do this, but you did it. I disown you as my son. I want you to leave my house. And grandma wanted him to, you know, mothers always want sons to be back. And he said, don't say anything to him. He's not my son. I'm, he's out of my family. But my granddad said, if I can accept you as my son, if I can take a bucket of hot water, pour over you, and wash your baptism off. And my dad said, no, I won't let you do that. He left the home with his Bible. Hmm. And he made the Bible as a pillow, slept at different places. Eventually, people took him to Bible college. That's where he learned the word. Come on. And he understood the need to go to the unreached and untold millions who have never heard wow. the gospel once in their lifetime. And that's where he went there. And he went there to plant one church and be the one missionary or the messenger. 
today for the glory of God, 1,400 plus Come people on. are standing with him because of what he has done on the front line. And so you know, you, we, we will often discount the change that can be made by one person's stand, yes. by one person's obedience, by one person's simple step. And I, I love that story because I think in, in the American church in particular, what is the cost of following Jesus? We, we read about it in the scripture. We, we hear from our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world where the cost is high and they're counting the cost and they're, they're still saying Jesus is, is worth it. And yet we, we're, we're living in, in such a, 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 a season and in such a place where I'm not sure much of the church in America has truly counted the cost. And I do wonder why. Um, th this is something I love um, most about your ministry, and, and that is your focus isn't so much on um, bringing mission trips to the parts of the world where we're planting churches and supporting these pastors. It, you're not so much focused on how many American Christians can we bring in for, for an Instagram moment, right? So we can yes. kind of see the work. Your focus is on empowering the people, the natives to do the work. And you, you've been very strategic in that. Why? Because those people who belong to the people group where they are, they know the culture, they know the language, they know the system, they can eat like them, walk like them, not offend those people and be uh, a, a light in that place. And they are much more effective and cost effective too where they can go and uh, stay that place and there is no turning back. Once they go there, they are there and no turning back. And they dedicate the, the life 100% for the work of God. And we have seen they are much more effective. But as you talk about persecution, persecution is coming here too. But we have to get engaged in sharing the gospel with others. When you look at Mark chapter 5, the story of the man with demon-possessed, with legions of demons, when he comes to Jesus, Jesus I mean, um, gets the demons out of him and he's released from that and he's free and he's sitting at the feet of Jesus and he's worshiping Jesus, enjoying Jesus. That's the time the villagers come in and say, get out of this place because they were concerned about their economy, the pigs that they lost. And, and while Jesus is about to leave, this man wants to get on Jesus' boat and Jesus is telling him, no, I don't want you to come, but I want you to do something. Go back, when you read Mark chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, yeah. it says, go home to your friends, to your family. Tell them what great things the Lord has done and how he had compassion over you. Yeah. And that's what, that was the first national missionary he sent right there in Decapolis, where he became, tradition says that he became a bishop of those places. And that is what we are to do. To our home first. When the light of Christ comes in us, we have to go to our home, tell those people in our family, and then to our friends. And evangelism is not a five-point sermon and a poem at the end. It is or taking the Bible or hitting at someone. It is telling what Jesus has done in your life. Yeah. And Being that, able to relate right, yes. with the person that you're sharing Christ with. And I, I think that that's what often can become a disconnect. I remember when I was, I was preaching, I, I, we, I was with you. I, I won't say ex exactly where, but we were under a large tent and yes. there, there were many, many people under the tent. And I've, I've preached, I've, I've, I've spoken these scriptures before, I've preached these messages before, but, 
but to say that there is no other name yes. under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus saves. There are hundreds of thousands and millions of God that, gods that, that your people will worship, and yet the, the one true and living God is, is, is off limits. And you have to ask yourself, why is that? And as I was declaring the name of Jesus, it, it was, I'd never done so in a space where uh, I remember there, there were even um, men with, with guns lining the tent just to make sure uh, that, that those gathered weren't, weren't going to leave the, the tent area and travel into town and share the gospel. We, we were able to meet here, but we couldn't go outside the, the tent. And, and it was just such a, um, it was such a heavy atmosphere, such an oppressive spirit. And, and yet um, th there was a receptiveness among the people and a willingness to take hold of God because when Jesus is present, you can't deny him, right? Amen. You can deny him if you don't know him, but when you know him, you cannot deny him. I, I, I want to quote you um, from your book, page 43, in Passage to the Unreached. Yes. I love this book. It, it probably is in my top five books that I've read in my life. You said this, God is a God of missions, he wills missions, he commands missions, he demands missions. And, and you talked about how the one who goes and the one who sends are both a valuable and necessary part of God's plan. You, you, your ministry operates with, with that mindset and that understanding so well. I wonder if you could just elaborate on that a bit more. We are a team. We are partners. It's, it's like in Galatians Paul is talking about, you know, uh, Paul planted, Apollos watered, and God gives the increase. Yeah. It's a team effort. It's a teamwork. Um, President Kennedy was visiting NASA, and at that time, uh, he saw a young man go walk through there with a broom in his hand, and he just paused, not knowing what, that he was a janitor. He just asked him, hey, what, is, what do you do here? And his answer was, I am... Uh, putting a man on the moon. Mm. Can you imagine, at that time, most of the world didn't know that this is going to happen. But that man's contribution to the scientists, to the technologists, to the astronauts, and every, every person helped in putting that man on the moon. The same way, it's a team effort. It's everyone together. We are in partnership with Christ Jesus in completing the task. But there is not going to be you know, come all this prosperity happening and great things happening, you have to expect persecution. Yeah. That is a part. And that's what our frontline leaders are facing daily in their life. Yeah. Let me, um, let me read a few more quotes. More important than safety, more important than beatings and torture, more important than death itself is the very will of God that leads to a passion for the unreached. I know in, in recent years, um, many Alpha churches have been burned and yes. vandalized. Many pastors, um, even recently, have been brutally attacked and put in prison. We, we helped to yes. secure the release of several, several pastors. You, can, you could spend days um, telling us stories. I, I would love for you to share one or two, but what, what is it about these Christians, these pastors, these families, that, that makes them so different from, uh, say, Christians in our part of the world, where if, if, if somebody just kind of pushes back on 
on what we believe on Twitter, we fold. <laughs> we, 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 we back down. What, what, what do these Christians have on the front lines that makes them such an unstoppable force? They have seen and tasted God in their life. They don't have many other things of distractions in their life. Yeah. And once they come to God, they see this truth in mm. the darkness. And that opens their mind up. And they don't want to be quiet. They don't want to just say that, hey, I got it, I'm fine, I'm going to heaven, I have this ticket. No, they want others to know. That's why one of our pastors, when he came, he received Christ, uh, his father, his mother, his entire community rejected him. Mm. And they won't even associate with him. And you remember, uh, I, you met him when you came to India. And I want to share this story because you had a part in his life. Speci specifically when he, his, because he came from this high caste religion, uh, he could only marry from a high caste religion. But God in his time raised up another woman in another town. And through God harmony, they got married and, and now they were going to have their first child. And his wife was pregnant. And we don't have, you know, medical centers like we have here everywhere close by. And in the night, his, his wife's water broke and he wanted to take her to the hospital. He went to the neighbor and knocked on his door and said that, hey, can I borrow your motorcycle? They said, you are an achuth, means you are an untouchable because you changed your religion, so I cannot give you my motorcycle. He went and knocked on two other homes. Nobody opened, nobody gave him. He finally took his wife on his bicycle and went to the clinic. By the time they reached the clinic, the baby in the womb died. Mm. And he came back, people were making fun of him, but he knew he was following a living God. And God has a plan for his life. And and he is large and he's in charge. That's what he knew. And he start, continued serving. And you will not believe this. A few years later, when Rock City and, and got involved in getting us motorcycles, the wings to our frontline messengers, he was the recipient of one of those motorcycles. Wow. And you know, when I met him after some time, you know what he told me? That Benny, I am using my motorcycle as an ambulance to help others. Hmm. In... In that difficult situation, that is what Christ does in our life, to be salt and light, to share and to love and to care for others. And they have that joy. They don't want to sit down and see others, you know, get lost and those souls uh, going to, you know, eternal destruction. They want to save them and that's why they are engaged. And they're, as they go and share, they are finding it difficulties, they are finding hardship, but they are faithful in their call. You know, faithfulness is not a temporary thing. Yeah. Revelation 2, 10 says, be faithful until death. You buy medicines, it expires. You buy fruits, yeah. it has an expiration date. Faithfulness is till death. Yeah. From the day we get saved to the day we go to eternity. Yeah. That time period is not just to live here and occupy this earth, but it is to share what God has done in our life. But what we need to do is keep our eyes and ears open. Keep our eyes close to the heart of God to listen to His voice and get busy in sharing this with us. That's what our frontline missionary, frontline messengers are yeah. doing. They're, they know that they are going to be hated. They know they will be 
Uh, one of them recently I had to tell him that just please shut down. Don't do anything. He says, no, I cannot do this because God has been so good to me. I have to go and tell these people they're lost. They need to know the truth. And they are putting their life on the line because they know what is, what is life-giving. That is Jesus Christ. And they know, when you look at the scriptures, every disciple other than John, everyone was martyred. And God is calling us to be a witness. A witness is what? A martyr for Christ. And we have to understand that. We have to use our time, talent, treasure, and this temple that God has given us to share this good news with others. I love that. Pastor Benny, I feel like we just need to sit on that for a second. There seems to be such a disconnect with how so many of us approach our faith. I, I love how you, you write in your book, as we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we give an account as to how and what and why we did what we did with the talents that God gave us. The obedient goer and the obedient sender will each hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And from that point on, there is no turning back. One of uh, our pastors, or frontline messengers, when speaking of persecution, he said we for us, persecution is, is yes. anticipated just like we anticipate the sun will rise and the, the sun will set. We, we expect it. We anticipate it. it, it we, we, uh, we do what we can in, in spite of it. I, I remember the story of um, a pastor who was pulled out of his home and instead of beating him, they began to beat his, his daughter and his wife just trying to shut down the ministry that, that he was doing and and after the beatings and after the threats, and they said it's going to keep getting worse if you continue to declare the name of Jesus. The, the, the family told their father, we will not, cannot turn back. There is no turning back. And I wonder how many of us who are a part of the church still have yet to encounter the living God. Because when you've encountered him, when you have seen him, when, when you have experienced his, his presence, that changes everything. I, I want to ask you just to, um, to maybe unpack for us. You, you, you talk about some misconceptions when it comes to missions. So there's a, maybe there's a disconnect between what, what a, a real uh, life-giving faith looks like, but, but there's also some, some, some disconnect and misconceptions when it comes to missions. I'm going to read to you just a few of these, and, and if you can, just get, give me sort of a, a quick response, right? Yes. So one, one misconception that we have in the American church in particular is that missions is optional. It's what some people do. It's not mandatory. Missions, God is a God of missions. Yeah. From Abraham's time till now, when you look at the scripture, he's on mission. And he has given that commission to us. When you look at the New Testament, you shall receive power and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and yeah. to the uttermost parts of the world. And we have to make sure that that is a mission, is a ma mission mandate. Is an, that's an important mandate for him and it's for us too. And we have, have to work on reaching locally and globally mm. with this gospel. And that is what every church, every individual, Every person 
as I, as I mentioned, like, from salvation, that's what we all have to be engaged in. Here's another one. Natives can't do the work as well as American missionaries can. How would you respond to that? No, I mean, natives can do their work. Yeah. We, we, we think that we, it is kind of outsourcing. The earlier days, people say, it's outsourcing. The, no, it's not. You're teaching them, and they are in the culture. They, are, they know the language. Yeah. They know this, um, the environment. They can survive in that environment, and they are fine. For example, in one of the areas, uh, Pastor Nathan took me to that area to visit, and on the way, we found a people group, and he said, we are ministering in this people group, and there is um, very difficulty in sharing the gospel, but this family has come to know Christ. Would you like to visit him? I went with him, and I'm standing there, and at that time, his, this family's little kid, maybe three-year-old, he is not wearing much clothes on him, and he's all dirty dirt on him. He brings a cup of steel cup, you know, of a glass like this, a steel glass. You cannot see what is in there. And he brings water, and he comes and he gives to me. And, he, and the father is saying, Sir, my son is serving you water. You need to drink it. He gave it to me, and Nathan is telling me in one language that I speak five languages. One of the languages he's telling me that, don't offend them, at least try to drink it. And I'm trying to look into the water, but I cannot see it as a steel cup, you know. But I had to put it in my mouth and just show it. But I know they were fetching the water from the local, I was told later, from the to local uh, you know, pond they have in that place. I cannot survive in that place. The gospel is given into that culture, yeah. into that person. He can take it. In that package, he can go and yeah. share that. That's so good. Here, here's one that, that's a bit personal for me because I was a part of a church for many years that thought this way, that, that if we begin emphasizing global missions, it will take our focus away from the local church. How would you respond? It is Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost. It's a total. We have, the more you do here and there, I mean, we have to do here and there, but as you do there, God is going to bless us more. We are sowing abroad and reaping at home. That is going to happen. Every church that is on a missions diet, I've never seen a church die because it's on a missions diet. Come on. You know, that, that is something we've, we've learned as a church. We, we celebrated 10 years just this past April. And um, I was amazed that in, in the first 10 years of our church, we've been able to give more than $12 Amen. million dollars beyond our walls to reach the unreached yes. and to serve the least. And, and in, my, in my flesh, there, there are times in my own mind where I, I think about that, as anybody would, and, and we think, what could we do now? if we could have that $12 million back. My heart tells me that we would not be where we are today yes. had we held on to what we had. And what we've experienced is that the more we've been able to give, the more we're able to give. The more we have given, the more we're able to give. We truly cannot outgive God. Here, here's one more. Missions is just a ministry of the church. Missions is the ministry of every one of us. Yeah. Everyone that it's a call for each and every one of us to be engaged in that. And the more you give, you will experience God much more. 
and you will see his blessings in your life. And we have seen that. And we are the church. We're, yes. not, we're not just a, a building or yes. the church is not something else out there. We, we are the church yes. and we are called to share Christ boldly. I'm actually That's gonna, why we talk about Christians. We are the temple that goes yeah. to a temple and worship a living God. So that's, we are the church and yeah. we are supposed to do that. You're so right in that. I'm actually going to give you yes. one more. Because I, I think that this one may hit home pretty hard for a lot of people. God is too much a loving God to allow anybody to go to hell who's never heard the gospel. I'm going to say that one more time. Yes. This is a misconception. That, that God is too much a loving God to allow anybody to go to hell who has never heard the gospel. What would you say to that? If they have heard or not heard, it is our job to go and share the gospel with others. If we don't do the job, then they will go. I mean, unreached people, if they didn't hear or not, they are going to, you know, go to an eternity without him. It's our job to share the gospel and get engaged in doing that. One thing that I've, I've heard a few pastors say in, in regards to a lot of difficult questions, questions that we kind of wish we didn't even have to ask is, is that we were never asked to edit the word, but to follow the word. Yes. And I love how you, you answered that question in your book. And I'll just go ahead and, yes. and read this excerpt. You, you said that the misconception that an ignorant soul is not liable for his or her sins gives comfort to the hearts of men and women who do not bend a knee or lift a hand to spread the gospel. But if that were actually the case, it would be better then to never tell them and to let them go to heaven when they die rather than risk them rejecting the gospel and going to hell. I, I want to just stop right here because I, th I think we need to give people time to process that. The Christian faith in, is very clear. The, the Bible tells us that everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yes. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It is absolutely clear throughout the scripture. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It is absolutely clear that apart from Jesus, there is no heaven. You want heaven, it comes through Jesus. Yes. We are all sinners and in need of a savior. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I wonder, um, Brother Benny, if, if you would mind doing two things. I would love for you to pray over our church. Particularly, uh, I'm thinking of two, two, two groups of people right now. The, the first are those who maybe are a part of the church, but have, have been a bit indifferent when it comes to truly living the faith and sharing the faith. And then I'm also thinking of, of, of those who have, have never called upon the name of Jesus. Maybe um, you've just never 
put your faith in him. You're not saved. You're not forgiven. You've, you've never been forgiven. You're not saved. You're not on your way to heaven. If you read the, the gospel, Jesus does that for us. Yes. I wonder if you could, could pray over our church for those that, that maybe lack the passion for lost people, lack a passion for sharing our faith. If you could pray over us that, that the Lord would begin to just stir and awaken that passion for lost people in our hearts. And then if you could, after that, if you could give those who would like to respond to Christ and say, I want to be forgiven, I want to be saved, I want to be a part of the family of God, would you invite those yes. to pray with you? And if you could, uh, you just speak right. right into that camera, Pastor Benny. Thank you for this time. I want to pray for those people, you know, who I would say is, Forget about the past, what we couldn't do or what we were not able to do. But we can make a decision from today that, you know, God, give me a passion. Give me your mind. Give me your understanding. And make it a desire to read the Word of God. As you read, God's Word speaks to our heart. And that is what we need, you know. And spend time in prayer. And that's when God speaks to us through the Word and in, on our knees. And, you know, someone said... Uh, you know, if you put an alarm for three minutes and if you stand on your knees, you will, uh, you'll know it takes a long time for that three minutes. I would encourage believers to pray and read the Word. And I'm going to pray for you right now that God will ignite in you a greater passion to see the lost, to keep your eyes open, to see those things and have compassion over them and to share the good news with them. So let's pray for that. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. Lord, I pray especially in the name of Jesus, the name that is above all name for each and everyone who is here this today, O oh Father. May your hand be upon them, O oh Father. In the light of the word, O oh God, I pray, ignite a new passion and a desire to see you, O oh God, and move in their lives, O oh Father. Work in a mighty way, O oh Father. Lord, in a, in a new way, let there be a new revival and passion in each and every soul to go and share this good news with others, O oh Father. Lord, give opportunities, Lord. Open doors that need to be opened. And, O oh God, give them freedom to speak your life into others, O oh Father. And together we may see a great work being done for your glory in each and everyone's life, O oh Father. Lord, thank you, O oh God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. For this time, O oh Father. And, O oh Lord, I pray your blessings be upon each and every one of them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I want to specially speak to people that who don't know Jesus. You don't have to do anything. I know there are people who will say, you need to take a coconut on your head and walk maybe 250 miles to obtain salvation. Or go and take a dip in so-and-so place. Or climb this mountain. No, there is nothing need to be done. Wherever you are, all you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. From today, I want to be your son, your daughter. And as you invite him, he comes into your heart and he turns the light on in your life. And you know, the darkness will have no place in that place. And the light of Christ will light in you. And you will know the difference between darkness and light. And his joy comes in you and you become a new creator a new person, a new creature for His glory. So I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray with me. And this prayer is for those who don't know Jesus. Let's pray this prayer. Father, Father. 
We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to this earth. Lord, we believe that you died on the cross for our sins. And we believe you rose up from the dead. And we believe you are the living God. From today, God, I want to live for you. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Cleanse me with your blood. Lord, erase my name from the book of death. And write my name in the book of life. I thank you for receiving me as your son and daughter. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Benny. That was such an incredible moment that, that we've just shared. I, I know you are such a blessing, not just to this church, but, but to Christ's church. I, I want to close with two questions. The first is, and you'll have to give a quick answer on this one, what excites you most as you look at the church today? What are you most excited about based on what you see? I'm seeing God is moving and working in spite of all this darkness that we see. I would say is stop listening to the world. Yeah. Start li- reading the word, spending time in prayer. That is very important. We think that the school or the uh, courthouses will do prayer and the Ten Commandments and all those things. I've been speaking about that. No, prayer begins at home. Yeah. Geico says, if you give us 15 minutes, we'll give you 15% or more. If you give 15% of your, 15 minutes of your day to prayer, yeah. and you will see a God-sized work done in your life. I have experienced that. So, mm-hmm. I, and I'm seeing a greater days for our church, not only in America, but everywhere. With persecution, God is going to advance the gospel. Someone said it like this, Christians are like bedbugs. Don't crush them. The more you crush them, the more they multiply. Instead, give them all comfort. In the comfort, they will fight among themselves as sex and insects, and eventually they will die. Wow. That is so true. We, we don't look at comforts. We, the more the persecution happens, God is going to multiply. That's what the New Testament church happened, and that is what is happening. We need to close our ears to all the voices from outside, put our eyes on Jesus. And he's doing that. I'm seeing greater things because with home groups and things that I have never seen, so much of revival happening in home groups and people meeting in, you know, fellowship at homes and things. That that joy has come back in this place, in America too and abroad too. I'm, I'm I'm seeing great things, brother. I'm seeing great things. Thank you. Yes. Last question. Yes. And it is, it is one I, I love to ask you when we're together. What is your greatest need right now today? I want to just say is thank you, Rock City, and Pastor Chad, and your leadership, and how you have stepped in at every step of our need. We don't have to call and ask you. You are sensitive to that. You have kept your ears close to the heartbeat of God. And every time there is a need, you have jumped in. And we are surprised how you do those things. I thank you for your investment into kingdom work. Right now, I want to share, as you know, there are situations in many places where we work in 
Nepal, Burma, you know, and re Bangladesh and regions beyond where our ministry is, people are facing persecution. We don't say persecute, we don't want the persecution to go away. We pray for the persecutors. But at the same time, some families face so much difficulties uh, that they cannot survive in that place. And what we do is we move those frontline messengers or families to a safer location so that the children and the wives cannot, I mean, it is not to hide. It is for them to have a safe place so the frontline messenger can have that freedom to go and share the gospel. So we call that a relocation project. And right now we have a request for about 17 families that needs relocation, and that will happen gradually. Yeah. And each family, it will cost about $7,000 to relocate them, depending on the region. But we want you to pray and see if God has put you in a position, please help in that matter. But above all, we are thankful for what you're doing. Your investment in our life investment in our ministry, uh, you have blessed us beyond words can explain. And I'm very thankful for that. Well, we're honored to be partnered with you. And I know um, as we were speaking last night, uh, another need that you uh, have is there, there are always pastors yes. to support in need yes. of uh, support. And I know that um, as we enter into uh, the end of this year, um, this series, we've been in making heaven full. And as we prepare for our year-end legacy offering, part of our legacy vision every year and our legacy mission is to increase our support for frontline pastors. And so I don't know how many more pastors we're going to bring into this family, but I, I'm looking forward to bringing many more, to making room for many more pastors who can be resourced and sponsored and, and, and funded by Rock City. But you answered that question last night, and when you told me about the 17 families that were in need of being relocated. And you said, I said, how much would it cost to relocate? You said about 7,000 a family. I did the math. It's $119,000 to relocate all of those families. I, I made a few phone calls to some members of our team. And I, I said to them, you know, I don't think, this is how I feel. I, I don't think the Lord would be unpleased if a church like Rock City were to make an investment into those families. I don't think God would be unpleased if this church did something to assist families who are on the front lines facing incredible persecution, needing to be relocated, not because they're, they're fleeing the persecution, yes. but, but because they, they, they need a safer place from which to continue yes. The ministry, and so Pastor Benny, I, I wanted to close this way. Um, th this is a, a check for one hundred and nineteen thousand dollars, and we want you to bless every single one of those families on behalf of Rock City Church and the people of our church. And um, and church, I, I just want to say I, I, I'm trying to keep it together. I, I I'm so thrilled to be a, a part of a church that is generous that understands the mission. And I'm so proud to be not just partnered with you, Pastor Benny, but I feel like this is more than a kingdom partnership. I feel like we're in covenant relationship with, with each other. And so church, can we get behind this and can we continue to be behind Pastor Benny and not just support him? We, we support him through our tithe and our offering. You, you support this work just by giving every single week, but can we continue to pray for Pastor Benny and all of our frontline workers around the world. We're out of time today, but uh, 
I thought this would be a great way to end. Thank you for, for joining us today.